Come on, let's give that praise to God. Come on, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. He's been so good to us. He's been so kind to us today, and we are thankful. We are grateful, and we are appreciative. Amen, for what has taken place Friday night this morning and what's getting ready to take place tonight in the next few moments. Amen. He's a good God. Can I get a witness? I said he's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. We love him so much. Thank you so much for your kindness to myself and my family. The hospitality has has been first class, has been top notch. Everything has been perfect. The room, the food, the fellowship. Thank you so much. Uh, forgot to mention this morning, thank you, Brother Tyler and your wife. We had an awesome job on Friday night. We give honor to the youth pastor and youth pastor's wife of this house. Thank you so much for investing in the next generation. Amen. We are thankful for their sacrifice and their dedication to this church and the kingdom. Thank you so much, Pastor Urshan. First Lady Urshan, thank you so much. Amen. We have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. And I don't lightly, I don't just lightly say this. Amen. But it is indeed an honor to stand behind this sacred desk uh, and be with my great friend, Brother Urshan, and so many wonderful elders in this church. Every leader, I honor you as well tonight. Just thank you so much. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. As I said this morning, God's hand is on Tree of Life. Amen. And the best is yet to come. I said the best is yet to come. You better hang on and hold on. The best is yet to come for this church. Amen. And we are excited at what God is going to do. Amen. Brother and Sister Kelly, I mentioned them this morning kind of in passing in the middle of my message, but I've known them for quite some time. Love them and their family. Amen. The book of Exodus, the book of Exodus, there is a word in this house tonight. And I may be a little different than this morning, but God wants to speak to us nevertheless. Exodus chapter 34, I'm going to read one verse to you and I'll let you be seated. Exodus chapter 34, we'll read verse 7 and I'll let you be seated. The Bible says, keep in mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity. Everybody shout iniquity and transgression and sin and that will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity everybody shout iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation for a few minutes tonight have anything catchy, nothing relevant. I simply just want to preach tonight and use this one word as my subject, iniquity. Iniquity. You can be seated in the Lord's house. Thank you so much for standing. Everybody shout iniquity. Over the years, having been raised in the church, I've heard the words sin, transgression, and iniquity used quite frequently. And I've always thought that these words were synonymous because many times they are used interchangeably as if they are equal and have the same interpretation. 
I never put much thought into this until I stumbled across Exodus chapter 34 verse 7 during a daily devotion a while ago that calls me to pause and to delve into this. It says that God will give mercy to thousands and forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. This suggests to me, ladies and gentlemen, that sin, transgression, and iniquity are not the same by definition. If you look at the original definition of these three words, you will quickly discover the difference. Sin comes from the Greek word chata'a, which means an isolated offense. Sin, ladies and gentlemen, it refers to a single event. Sin, it leads us down a downward progression that in our flesh, if we be honest, we all lean toward. The sin nature is present in every human being been born since the fall of Adam. Romans chapter 5 verse 10, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, here it is, for that all have sinned. Our sin nature, it causes us to gravitate naturally toward wrong things, even when we're trying to do good. It was the Apostle Paul that said, when I want to do good, he said, evil is always present with me. The things I'm not supposed to do, that's what I do, and vice versa. Hear me? I'm not downplaying. Don't miss me tonight. I'm not downplaying. I'm not downgrading sin. But sin is simply missing the mark or falling short. Sin, it involves isolated incidents that can be quickly forgiven. But if there is no repentance, the downward progression continues. Because now the sin nature will lead you from sin to transgression. Transgression comes from the Greek word pesha, which means a revolt or a rebellion. Transgression, ladies and gentlemen, it simply means a trespass. It means to choose to intentionally disobey. Transgression is rebellion in the sense that you know what you are doing is wrong, but yet you decide to do it anyways. It's not a mistake. It's not a lack of good judgment. It's not a moment of missing the mark like sin. It is, in fact, intentional disobedience. You have to be careful. A little more monitor, please. You have to be careful because when you start blatantly and intentionally disobeying God, you are becoming a transgressor. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15, listen to this. It says, the way of a transgressor. Not a sinner. You can't read the Bible too fast. It said the way of a transgressor is hard. Because when you step over from sin to transgression, it becomes harder to come back. Once again, let's recap. Sin is usually an isolated incident that can be quickly repented over and moved past. But in transgression, you begin to see a pattern of disobedience. And it becomes more of a struggle to repent and to turn away from. But in my time tonight, I'm not going to deal too much with sin and transgression. I want to deal 
the time that's allotted to me tonight on this one word, iniquity. Iniquity, ladies and gentlemen, it is more deeply rooted. Iniquity comes from the Greek word, alvon, which means perversity or crookedness. It also means a premeditated choice, continuing without repentance. David, he's a very popular guy in scripture. We all preach about him. We all shout about him. David, he is the perfect example of a man that journeyed through sin, transgression, and iniquity in the same narrative. Second Samuel chapter 11, it picturesquely paints this downward progression. Listen to me now. David, you know the story. One day he goes out on a balcony. He sees a beautiful woman taking a bath, and he liked what he saw in so much that he tells his entourage, he says, go and find out who this pretty young thing is. Well, the Bible don't say that, but amen. amen. One of his boys comes back, and they say, King, uh, that's Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. David said with his bad self, I don't care who she is. I'm the king. Bring her to me. All right? David has now just stepped into sin because lust has gripped his heart. And he wants what he saw even after knowing it's somebody else's spouse. I don't believe David went outside on his balcony that particular spring afternoon looking to get into trouble. But David could have stopped in his tracks right there and said, hold on, I've seen too much. Hold on, I've thought too much. Hold on, I've said too much. David could have said, I'm not letting this go any further. He could have repented of his sin in that moment and never looked back. It would have been all good, keep going. But yet, the downward progression continued. David brings Bathsheba into his bedroom and sleeps with her. This now goes beyond sin and now turns into transgression. Because if you remember, a transgression is nothing more than a trespass. David has now just trespassed upon another man's property. It was one thing to look at Bathsheba. It was another thing to even inquire about her. But now he has knowingly slept with another man's wife. You know, let me just inject this. You don't have to watch soap operas for drama. All you got to do is open your Bible. There's romance. There's war. There's betrayal. There's love stories all in the holy word of God. David, he slept with Bathsheba. And now that that happens, he received a text message. The Bible don't say that, but I'm just modernizing the text. He received an email that said, she's pregnant with your child. David now trying to cover his tracks. He brings her husband Uriah home. He feeds him, tries to get him drunk, and tells him, now you go home and be with your wife. But Uriah had so much integrity that the Bible says he slept outside of his house. He slept with the servants and said, I'm not even going in to my wife because he was trying to protect the very king. He didn't know who was messing with his wife. 
David, the story says, hear me tonight, David was so furious because his scheme did not work. So he sent word. He said, you go and you put Uriah on the front line of the battle. And then I want everybody to retreat and fall back so Uriah can be killed in war. My God, David, slow down. He has now just stepped over from transgression to iniquity. You want to know why? Because this wasn't an accident. This wasn't a sin where he simply just missed the mark. This was not even just a transgression where he trespassed against another man's property. But now, David, he has conspired the very death of an innocent man because he's trying to cover his own dirt. And almost a year goes by, church. And we never read David repenting of his sin, transgression, or iniquities. So now iniquity begins to grow inside of him and would have killed him. Until one day, prophet Nathan, aren't you thankful for a man of God in your life? Who will put his finger in your face and stand behind this pulpit and preach without fear, without favor. And sometimes it'll step on your toes. But at the end of the day, it's trying to save your life. Prophet Nathan approaches him. He tells him a parable. He says, David, here's the parable about a rich man who had plenty of sheep, but he stole this poor man's one sheep. Nathan said, David, what do you think should happen to this rich man who stole his neighbor's one sheep? And David, in his arrogance, in his narcissism, David said he should die. Nathan said, is that so? Because if that's the case, you are the man. You are the man that should die, O king, because out of all the women you could have had, all the women in your kingdom, you've chose to steal this man's holy wife. David realized how ugly, how filthy he was in the presence of God. So he began to ask God to forgive him. That's when he penned Psalms chapter 51. Psalms 51 is a very classic psalm. The Bible says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. He said, blot out my transgressions. Notice the wording now, sin, transgression, and iniquity. They are not the same, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 2, he said, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He said, for I acknowledge my transgressions. Do y'all hear David repenting here? He said, and my sin is ever before me. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Verse 5, he said, behold, I was shaping in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. In verse 9, he said, hide thy face from my sins. And he said, blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He said, cast me not thy way from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. He said, please, God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Hear me now. Nathan said, God has heard your cry, O king. He's going to forgive you. But here, God, I feel the Holy Ghost and ain't nobody moving. 
He said, God is going to forgive you. He said, but here comes the deep-rootedness of iniquity. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9. Don't miss this now. The Bible says, wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife. You've slain him, David, with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, here comes the deep-rootedness of iniquity, y'all. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me. You've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord. This is some scary stuff, y'all. He said, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. I'm going to take your wives before your eyes, he said, and I'm going to give them unto your neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. Here, here it is right here, y'all, verse 12. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. All right, we're getting ready to get, we're getting ready to get close here now. Sin, ladies and gentlemen, and transgression are usually things that you and I directly do. But iniquity can be passed down from generation to generation to generation. David, I got a problem with this because uh, reading this, it messes me up because it was David who lusted after Bathsheba. It was David who slept with Bathsheba. It was David who got her pregnant. It was David who killed Uriah. It was David who turned around and married Bathsheba. But the Bible says the sword will never leave, not you, David, but it's never going to leave your house. His entire family tree. God Almighty. God help me. His entire family tree is now going to be affected by something not that they did per se, but by something that David did. So now, so now, if you love your family, you better hear me tonight. You better lean in and hear me tonight. So now this two-year-old child that David had with Bathsheba gets sick and dies. Right after the man of God tells him the sword will never leave your house. If that's not enough church, David's son Solomon found himself struggling with perversion. His whole reign in so much the Bible lets us know that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I can barely take care of one wife. How in the world a man got 700 wives and 300 side chicks? How in the world does that happen? No wonder he lost his mind and started worshiping false and pagan gods. If that's not enough, David's other son Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. I'm in the Bible, y'all. And then he threw her out on the street uh, and treated her like a prostitute. Uh, if that's not enough, David's other son, Absalom, uh, he goes and kills his brother Amnon uh, for raping their sister. If that's not enough, uh, that same 
same son Absalom, he then steals his dad concubines and sleeps with them on the same balcony that David saw Bathsheba. Y'all not hearing me tonight. And that same son Absalom, he eventually revolted and tried to steal his dad's kingdom. All of this mess was happening in David's house simply because he allowed lust to turn to adultery and adultery to turn into murder and he never bowed a knee and said Jesus please forgive me until Nathan came to him I don't know who I'm preaching to on this Sunday night but any decision you make you better consider the next generation you better consider your son you better consider your daughter you better consider your marriage because it's never about you honey it's always about your family It's never about you. A little more monitor sound, man, please. It's never about you. Hear me now. You may sin in private. You may sin by yourself. Come on, but it always affects more people than yourself. Whether good or bad, whatever choices you are making today, it's going to follow you and your family tomorrow. I know it's Sunday night. I'm not trying to be hard, but I have a word for the Lord, from the Lord for somebody in this house tonight night uh, you have to be careful uh, because whatever you allow uh, to linger in your life uh, it's going to stick around uh, because your sin and your transgression today uh, will become your children's uh, and your grandchildren's iniquity tomorrow you have to understand church that iniquity it changes the very DNA it changes the very RNA structure of the flesh that results in genetic changes that can be passed down from generation to generation you see we call it generational curses we call it ancestral spirits but it's really called iniquity you see this is, this is the way uh, that certain diseases, alcoholism, uh, and sexual perversions, and jealousy, and anger, uh, and racism, and all kind of foul spirits, uh, they are passed down uh, from generation to generation uh, because somebody uh, didn't stand up uh, and cut that mess off. Uh, but I'm preaching to somebody up in this house tonight uh, who can say enough is enough. Uh, I am fed up uh, with what the devil is trying to do in my house what he's trying to do in my family it's time for somebody to stand up and draw the line in the sand and tell the devil to get your hands off of my marriage get your hands off of my children get your hands off of my grandchildren for we shall live and not die It's time for somebody, it's time for somebody to get barbaric. It's time for somebody to get bold in the Holy Ghost. It's time for somebody to be intentional about this mess. You ought to go home even tonight and get some, I don't care if it's some cooking oil or some olive oil. And you ought to anoint your whole family night. I'm talking about old school. I'm talking about how mom and daddy used to do it back in the days. You ought to cut the TV off. You ought to cut the smartphone off. You ought to cut the tablet off. And you ought to say, we're going to have a 
an all-night prayer meeting tonight. You ought to go put oil over every door, every window, and say, I plead the blood of Jesus. There will be no unclean spirit coming not this house. You ought to tell the devil, it's over for you. I said, it's over for you. This iniquity is getting out of this house tonight. I gotta hurry, Pastor Earth, and I gotta hurry, but I gotta get somewhere tonight. Let me be clear, church. Let me be clear. You are not necessarily paying the price for the sins of your parents and your grandparents because each person, hear me now, you will have to give an account before the Lord for your own life for your own actions righteous or sinful but y'all better hear this young preacher today what I'm trying to point out to you is is that there are some things that you and I face in our life that is a direct result from our ancestors and our forefathers because iniquity it is real y'all and it creates challenges iniquity gives the enemy a legal right to tempt generations to follow but y'all better hear me I don't care how much the devil thinks he has us God always has a plan All right, all right. All right, I'm just talking tonight. All right. Uh, I'm in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm in Isaiah chapter 53. I feel God in this house. Uh, I'm in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. Here we go. Uh, But he was wounded. You thought sin, transgression, and iniquity was the same. No ma'am, no sir. Uh, We're going to understand this tonight. Uh, Jesus, Jesus with his bad self. Uh, the Bible says, Isaiah said, he was wounded. Uh, for what? For what? Well, your, your what? Not just, no, no, he was wounded uh, for your transgressions. Uh, He was bruised. Here it is. It's not the same, y'all. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Mm. All right. uh, Verse 5, here we go. He was bruised uh, for our iniquities. Did y'all hear that? Don't read the Bible too fast. I keep saying that. Uh, He was bruised for our iniquities. Now, don't miss this now. Uh, You have to notice the type of punishment uh, that Jesus took for our iniquities. That's all I have time to deal with tonight is iniquities, iniquities, iniquities. Uh, Notice the type of punishment uh, that he took uh, for your iniquity and my iniquity. Uh, The Bible says uh, that he was bruised uh, for our iniquities. Don't miss this now, church. Uh, A bruise uh, is when blood vessels tear or rupture under the skin. Church folk don't know when to shout. Uh, All right, yeah, let me see if I can make this thing plain now. Uh, You have to understand that iniquity, y'all, it is deep rooted. Uh, Y'all ain't been hearing me preach for the last 20 minutes. Uh, Iniquity, y'all, it is usually under the skin. Uh, I feel like talking in this house tonight. Uh, You see, it's not like sin. Uh, It's not like transgression. Uh, Because most of the time, people can see your sin. Uh, Most of the time, we can see your transgression. Uh, But iniquity is very discreet. Uh, Iniquity is very sneaky. Uh, Iniquity, y'all, can hide. 
God for generations. So God says, iniquity, I got something for you. The Bible says he was bruised. He shed blood under his skin. He said, I did that for your iniquity, for the junk that nobody can see, for the mess that nobody can see on the outside. He said, I was bruised. He let his blood vessels be ruptured and tore under the skin so you can be free from every curse. Y'all better hear me in this house tonight. You see, many times we only thank God for the blood that we could see. We thank God for the blood that came down his face from the crown of thorns. And we should. We thank God for the blood that we can see that came out of his pierced side, his pierced hands and pierced feet, and his whipped back. But if y'all allow me on this Sunday night, I just want to thank God for the blood I could not see God help me preach this thing right I said I just want to thank God for the blood I could not see I want to thank God for every ounce of blood that was shed under his skin because that's why I'm free today that's why there's no curse from my family tree that can hold me down because he was bruised for my iniquities You ought to give God praise right now and thank him for being bruised. We don't talk about that blood because we can see it, but he still shed it for you. Uh, if you look, got to hurry, Pastor. If you look, if you look closely at your family tree, I promise you, you'll find somebody in the past who struggled with the same thing you did. Maybe your grandparents got a divorce. Parents got a divorce. It's so easy for you and your spouse to throw that word around. Iniquity. Maybe your father was abusive, phantom, or entangled with perversion. So maybe you found yourself battling some of the same things. Maybe for your dad, young man, it was adultery. And for you, it's pornography. It's the same thing. It's all tied into iniquity. It's all perversion. It comes in different faces. But it comes from the same root of iniquity. Maybe your mother had kids out of a wedlock and you found yourself repeating that same vicious cycle. Maybe your cousin struggled with their sexuality so you found yourself fighting some of those same demons. Maybe your aunts and uncles were drunks or drug users or liars and you found yourself being drawn to that lifestyle. Maybe for some of you, all your siblings went to jail and you found yourself involved in illegal activity. Maybe for some of you, your ancestors and forefathers were prejudiced. And then like people of other ethnicities, so maybe you found yourself dealing with that issue. It's not a coincidence. It's not happenstance. It's bigger than sin. It's bigger than transgression. It's iniquity that has tried to attach itself to your house. I tell single people this. Any single people in the house? Any single people? Why y'all afraid to raise your hand? It's not a bad thing. It's not a trick question, I promise you. It's amazing to me. I heard somebody the other day tell me, they say all the married people want to be single. Don't say amen. Maybe your spouse sitting next to you. I don't know. I don't know. And vice versa. All the single people want to be married. Whatever you find yourself, be content. 
But I tell single people, I say, hey, uh, uh, before you get married, uh, make sure you check out uh, your spouse beyond what you just see. <laughs> I said, make sure. I know he handsome. I know, I know she fine. I know. I get it. I get it. But that's just what you see. I said, I asked them, have you gone to a family reunion? Y'all don't like me, huh? This may be my last time here. I don't know. I'm going to leave it all on the floor tonight. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I check out a family reunion uh, because when you get married, you're not only marrying that handsome guy, but you're marrying the whole family. Do I got a witness in here from somebody? I'm sorry. Just your, your spouse is next to you. Don't say amen too loud. Just, just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. Amen. Amen. But you have, to, you have to be careful because you already have enough iniquity of your own that you're dealing and working with and fighting through. And then when you get married, not only do you have your iniquity, but now you get his or her iniquity. So you just better make sure before you get married, know what iniquity you're hooking yourself up to. Go to the family union and see the mother, see the father. Check out that crazy uncle. Check them all out because when you get married, he's yours. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. He's yours. I know you think you're just marrying that person, but no, you get everybody, the whole family. All right. I, 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 I joke about this. My wife and I, we moved into our home. Uh, we first got married back in 09. We got married in 08, but we moved to our first house in 09. And I joke about this. We... We found a house that we, that we liked, and, and, but the problem is that we really didn't do our due diligence and check out the house like we were supposed to. We, we only went at nighttime, or we got off work in the evening time. And of course, for the most part, everything was perfect. It was wintertime, so we drove through. The neighborhood was so quiet, so peaceful. We said, man, this is perfect. This, this, this has to be the house. And... Um, we always went in the evening time when the sun was just, just getting ready to set, but it was still enough light. So, man, we said, you know, this house is just perfect for a good price. This is the one. And uh, we moved into the house. And we didn't realize the first day we woke up, 6 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> 10 minutes later, <laughs> our driveway was the neighborhood bus stop. I said, maybe God, he's trying to get me started a ministry or something. I'm about to lose my mind with these kids. I mean, elementary, middle school, high school, all of them was in my driveway, sitting on my cars, hanging out on my porch. I said, I don't know if I should pray for, but slap, I don't know what's going on. Good gracious. If, if that's not enough, the first week, boom, 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 boom. Neighbor to my left. Guess he a DJ, I guess. Every night, 10 o'clock at night, the same beat. Boom, doom, boom, doom, boom, doom, boom, doom, boom, doom. First week, I'm knocking on the door. Hey, man. I mean, I got a family. We're trying to sleep, bro. I had to call the police on him eventually. I mean, it was crazy. House across the street from me. He just he, he felt like one day he wanted to paint his house. He painted the front blue, the side white. He built his own gate in the front, built a soccer yard in the front, a, a, a soccer field in his front yard. I said, you got to be kidding me, man. We did not do our due diligence. We loved our house. 
but did not consider when you move into a house, you don't just get the house. You get the whole neighborhood. The man that cut his grass on the right. Y'all can tell God has healed me. I moved on. I'm, I'm beyond that now. It took a while, though. We got the whole neighborhood, good and bad. It's the same thing when you link up and get with somebody. You get the good and the bad. Now, don't leave out and say, well, you know, brother, why won't you tell me to get a divorce tonight? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm talking to my single people. If you're married, deal with it. Pray God to help you. Amen. You made a choice. Deal with it. Single people, you have a chance. <laughs> don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. <laughs> for real, for real, I'm all off, for real, for real. Be careful before you say I do. Make sure the person you're dealing with is not just them, but check out everything. Not saying that God can't heal it, you can't get counsel, you can't deal with it, but just don't go into some relationship just thinking everything is okay. Right? If we also be honest, I promise I got to quit. If we be honest, y'all, there's things that you do, things that I do. That if somebody in my family didn't struggle with that, I guarantee you somebody in your spouse's family tree struggle with that. Because iniquity, ladies and gentlemen, it runs deep and it runs long. Did you hear the text in verse, excuse me, verse 7 of Exodus 34? It says that iniquity can hit you from generation upon your children's generation even to the third and the fourth generation. If the devil cannot convince you to start your own iniquity, he can reach back 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, and say this calls great, 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 great granddaddy to fall. Let me see if I can put another face on it, a new spin on it, and bring it into 2018 and cause him or her to fall. Y'all hear me tonight as I'm closing. The devil is so desperate, y'all, because he knows that his time is running out. Why do you think all of a sudden now these crazy thoughts are flooding your mind? Why do you think out of nowhere your kids are acting cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Why do you think now of all times that temptation is an all-time high for you? Why do you think that shady deals are being offered to you now? Why do you think people from your past are just popping up? Oh, I was just passing by. Oh, I just, I just caught up with you on Facebook. The devil is a liar. He's trying to reach back into your past. He's trying to reach back into your ancestors' past and say that caused their marriage to break up back then that caused them to backslide back then that caused his mama to leave the church that caused his dad to turn his back on God let me see if I can pull it closer and cause them to fall in this generation but somebody has to say enough is enough we will not live under the curse of iniquity another day you gotta make this thing personal I can't say it for you I can only say it for my family that as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I don't want my children to live under the curse of my iniquity another day. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I got to quit. I got to quit. Musicians, you can come give them some hope. Give them some hope. I got to quit for real. I got more to say, but... I got to let you go. Hear me tonight. Hear me tonight. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. 
hear me? We have to break this curse. We have to break it. My father is first generation. My father, he, he got saved in the mid-80s. And thank God for that. He was, a, he was a huge dope dealer in Atlanta. Matter of fact, my mom was saved first. They tell the story different. He says one thing. My mom says another thing. But I like my mom's story better. The story she says is that she was saved first. And she backslid. She left the church. And one night, she was at a party. And at this party, she looked up and saw this man with a cutoff shirt showing his six-pack. Jerry curled down to his shoulders. I wish I had a picture so I can blackmail my dad. Amen. Amen. Jerry curled down to his shoulders. Free base and cocaine just having a good old time. Dancing on top of a table. And my mom looked up and she said, I don't recommend this, but there are exceptions with God. I don't recommend this. Find your spouse in the church, please. Find your spouse in the church. She looked up, a backslider. She looked up and God said, that's your husband. She said, not that crazy, man. Dancing on the table, acting like he don't lost his mind. She said, God told her, no, that's your husband. So they eventually met, they eventually got together, and she brought him to church. And now he's pastoring that church, presbyter, sitting on the district board. Went from dancing on tables to now preaching the gospel. They had some iniquity to deal with. He had some junk. He was first generation. His dad was an alcoholic. He was a great man. His dad worked two or three jobs, but he was an alcoholic. He was a good old Baptist. Didn't believe the truth. My dad fought through that iniquity. My mom, same thing on her side. Mom was a drunk. Dad was a womanizer. All that stuff. I love my grandparents, but it is what it is. And my mom and dad fought through that junk. And now they are who they are. I'm thankful for them because uh, they broke a lot of stuff and they made it easier for me and my sister to be saved. But I still had to deal with some stuff. I still had to, had to fight my own stuff. And I didn't freebase cocaine. I didn't do all the hard stuff he did. But there was still some stuff that trickled in. That kind of got me and tried to catch me and said it messed up his granddaddy. It almost took his daddy out. Let me see if I can get him. But somehow I broke through that mess. And I said, there's more for me. There's more for me. And now I have a responsibility. It's bigger than me now. I have a responsibility now to prophesy over the third generation. I got a young man sitting back there. I got a baby girl sitting back there. And now it's my responsibility to tell the devil to leave my children alone. They will not struggle with what I had to struggle with. I'm going to fight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to bring them to church. I'm going to do whatever I have to do uh, and try to keep iniquity away from them. Because I understand, Pastor Hershon, my son and my daughter, they're going to have to deal with their own junk as they get older. I can't protect them from everything. But I never want them to look at me and say, Daddy, I struggle because of you. I struggle because you were a hypocrite. I struggle because you didn't practice what you preach. I never want to bring iniquity into my house. Oh, 
They're going to have enough to deal with on their own as they get older. And God showed me this. I got to quit for real. I got so much more. I got to quit for real. I promise you, I got to quit. God showed me this a few years ago. He showed me this. I was preparing. I was getting ready to leave. I was going, I think, to South Mississippi. I was getting ready to do a, I don't know, district back to school rally or something like that a few years ago. And I'll never forget, I was leaving out of my kitchen. I was going to my car and getting ready to leave the, open the garage and head out and head to the airport. So I was telling my family, I'm telling them, hugging my wife and I love you. And hugging my daughter and hugging my son. And you know, my wife and my daughter and they, they eventually go upstairs and they're okay. And, but my son is still there. He's hanging on to me saying, Daddy, I want to go with you. I said, look, man. I said, I'm going to be gone for two days. You can't go. You can't go everywhere all the time. I said, I had to go on this trip by myself. I said, I promise you, I'll be back in two days. And he's just hanging on me, hanging on me, hanging on my leg. I want to go with you. I said, I got to go, son. So I went in the car and I left, headed to the airport, but forgot something. Had to turn back around. So I went back, opened the garage door, walked back in the kitchen. My wife and daughters, I said, they were already upstairs. They were happy that I was gone. Yeah. They said, party time. Amen. They didn't cry, they were go. But my son was still down in the kitchen, still crying a little bit. He hit me. I want to go with you. I said, why you want to go with me, man? I said, I ain't going to Disney World. You act like I'm going to play or something. I'm going, I'm going to preach. Man, I'm going to be working all weekend. Are you sure you don't want to stay home? No, no, no. I want to go with you. I said, why you want to go? It's not going to be fun for you. Why you want to go? He said, Dad, I want to be just like you. What do you say to that? I said, I said, you still ain't going, but I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It hit me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I want to help people. I, I, I want to preach like you. It hit me. I hugged him a little tighter. I got in my car, and, and Pastor Urshan, Elder Bishop, as I'm driving to the airport, tears streamed down my face. Streamed down my face because... My son, who probably was six years old at that time, he didn't say, Daddy, I want to be like Steph Curry. I want to be like Tom Brady. I want to be like so-and-so. He said, Daddy, I want to be just like you. And as I'm driving to the airport, I'll never forget that day. I begin to pray and say, God, please, please keep me near the cross. Please. I said, God, please don't ever let me get too big for my own britches. Don't ever, don't ever let my head get too big. Don't ever, God, think where I think I can let my hair down and kick my shoes off and just take a break and play with sin for a little while. I said, God, I see now. I knew it, but I see now. I said, this thing is bigger than me, Jesus. I said, if for nothing else, I cannot backslide and go away from you I said because I have a little boy who has my same name who looked just like me who wants to be just like his daddy I said God if for nothing else I can't break his heart I got a baby girl who thinks I'm her superman she thinks I'm her knight in shining armor I got a wife that's expecting me to be faithful I got a family that's expecting me to keep my word and I refuse to turn my back on them and bring iniquity into my house 
and I look up and have my wife hating the church, have my wife hating the ministry, have my wife hating everything I stood for, having my son grow up and say my daddy was a phony, he was a fake. I don't want my daughter to run to the arms of other men and say my daddy was not true. If for nothing else, church, whatever you do, remember that son of yours. Remember that daughter of yours. Remember that husband or wife of yours. Because whatever you do is going to affect him. We have to consider, we have to consider every decision, every decision, every step we take is affecting our families. I wish, I wish Lot would have considered this before he looked and saw the green grass and the waters. Maybe he could handle it and he barely could, but look what it did to his wife. Killed her. Look what it did to his daughters. Incest was all in. It was so much junk because he did not consider his family. Uh, uh, uh. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Everybody, stand with me. I gotta quit. Help me, Jesus. Help me. That's why it's crucial that we be at church every time the doors are open. Because whether they admit it or not, they're watching you. Your family is watching you. They hear you when you wake up on Sunday morning and say, I don't feel like going to church tonight and I'm tired. I'll catch another service. They remember that. And when they get older, when they're tired and times get rough, they say, Mom and Daddy didn't go to church. Mom and daddy didn't pay their tithes. Mom and daddy didn't pray. Mom and daddy didn't worship. Mom and daddy didn't do this there or that. And that stuff is being bred into them. It's being bred right into them. It's going right into their DNA, changing them already. We have a responsibility to protect our families. As you're standing all across this house, there's a story in Mark chapter 9 of a man who brought his son to Jesus. He says, Jesus, my son is possessed with the Spirit. Jesus asked the father a critical question. He said, how long has he been possessed with this Spirit? Mark 9, 21, the father said he's been possessed since he was a child. Which suggests to me that this man's son was no longer a child. He had to at least be a teenager or an adult. But he has been possessed with the same spirit since his childhood. I'm speaking in my closing. I promise you I'm closing for real. I'm speaking to adults right now in the sound of my voice. Who have been struggling with stuff since you were a child. There has been a spirit attached to your house. I feel you, Lord. 
And whether publicly or privately, you have grown up with this spirit from childhood. And some of you don't even understand why you struggle with this. Some of you hate that you struggle with this. But because that spirit was never broken, it remains in your house. Thankfully, many of you adults, you have been able to fight and make it through. But the sad thing is, is that if you don't fully break this spirit, although you made it, it may take your children out. This is what I want to take place today. This is what I want to take place tonight. If you are here with your family, I want you to come to this altar right now with your family, with your family. If you are in this auditorium tonight and your family is here, I want you to grab your family and come to this auditorium, to the front of this altar right now, tonight, in the name of Jesus. If you are single, find another single person and y'all can link up and pray together. But I want every family to come as close as you can to this altar right now. Husbands, wives, fiancés, daughters, sons, cousins. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, I don't care who you are. Godchildren, grandchildren, I don't care who you are. I want you to grab your family right now. I feel an anointing in this house. Yes. That's it, mother. That's it. Begin to pray. Begin to intercede right now. His spirit is here right now. Yes, 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 yes. Wherever you're standing, whoever you're with right now, I want you to begin to pray over them right now in the name of Jesus. Husband, if you're here, Father, if you're here, you are the priest of your home. Pastor Urshan is the pastor of this church. You're the priest of your home. Pastor Urshan can pray for you. He can preach for you. He can counsel you. But it's your family, your responsibility. I need you to pray right now. Come on. Every man, I need you to lift your voice right now. I need you to lay hands on your spouse. Lay hands on your children right now. And I need you to plead the blood of Jesus over them. Come on. I need to hear some men voices right now. If you a single mom, take authority over your family right now and lift those voices right now and tell the devil, leave us alone. I come against every spirit. I come against every devil. I come against every spirit of iniquity. I, I come against it in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. I need you to pray over your children. I need somebody to weep and wail right now. I need somebody to pray. Intercede over your baby girl. Pray for your son. Pray. Pray for your niece. Pray for your nephew. Pray that the devil don't kill them. That's it, brother. Brother Tyler, that's it. That's it. Pray for your unborn child. Pray. 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 Pray that when this baby comes out, 
He won't deal with what we had to deal with. Pray, 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 pray. I feel the Holy Ghost breaking some chains right now. I feel the Holy Ghost breaking some chains right now. I feel the Holy Ghost tearing down some walls right now. I feel the Spirit of God doing some things right now. Every spirit, every spirit has to go. Every spirit, every devil has to go. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. I don't care if your mama struggle with depression. You don't have to struggle with depression. You don't have to struggle with it. You don't have to deal with what your father dealt with. You ain't got to deal with what your grandfather dealt with. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power, there's power, there's power, there's power. Come on, that's it, come on. Come on, I need some mamas and daddies right now to start weeping tears over your children. Come on, right now, I need some men right now to start apologizing to your wife. Uh, I need some wives right now to start apologizing to your husband uh, and say, we're going to do whatever we have to do to keep the devil out of our house. Uh, We're going to do whatever we have to do to keep the peace of God amongst us. Come on, that's it a little while longer. I know it's Sunday night. Come on, I know. I know we got school. I know we got work in the morning. But the Holy Ghost is doing something right now. He's doing something right now in your family tree. I don't care what side of the track you came from. I don't care what's behind you. You can start a new lineage. You can start a new ancestry right now. And say things are going to be different. Things are going to be better. We're not going to argue like my parents argued all the time. We're not going to fuss and fight like your parents did all the time. Things are going to be different in this house. Iniquity has to go. Iniquity has to go. Iniquity has to go. My God, my God, my God, my God. Break chains, God. Break chains, God. Break chains, God. Break chains in this house. Break chains in family trees. Break chains. Please, God, please. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Everything you do, it affects your spouse. Come on. Everywhere you go, it affects your children. Consider that. Consider that. Consider that. Consider that. I'm trying to leave a legacy for my family. I'm trying to leave a legacy for my offspring. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. 
is bigger than me. Yeah. Uh-huh. 